0: Well, hello, Dan. Howdy. Welcome, everybody, to another one of our conversations here. Yep. So you have been teaching a class in our Sunday mornings, and maybe some, if you're subscribed to our channel, which you're not, this is your cue to subscribe to our channel. Um, But if they have been, they've probably seen some posts here lately on Sundays of your most recent class about God's church. Right, God's church. Well, along the way, we've had several comments and different things come in. And one of them in particular was, well, I thought we were in Christ's church. So why is your class God's church? Is there a difference? Are they the same? Okay. Is there a breaking line at some point in history? Well, one of the points that I want to
1: make in in the class is that God has always had a church. Okay. And I think that most people, or many people in the, at least the churches of Christ don't realize that, that God has always had a church. Hmm. And so, <clears throat> we began the study by talking about the terminology of church in both the Old and New Testament. Okay. And uh, if, if you'll read Acts 7.36, excuse me, Acts 7.38, here, okay. ESV right over there, what does yeah. it
0: say? 7.38 says... This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. All right. The congregation in the wilderness. Of course, the word there is ekklesia,
1: mm-hmm. which is the word for church, church. same yeah. that we have. So in some translations translated the church in the wilderness, hmm. see, and he's obviously talking about the Israelite people, uh, in ancient times, um, in Hebrew, there are two different words that refer to this idea of a congregation, a group of people, a an assembly of people. Mm. And uh, it's very interesting when you look at the places those Hebrew words occur, and then you look at the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, okay. the Greek words being used are the same Greek words we have in the New Testament the Greek words are hmm. ecclesia and synagoge, like yeah. synagogue, like synagogues. Okay. Of course, they didn't have synagogues as we know them right in the Old Testament and until after the captivity. Yeah. But the word is used to mean a group, a gathering,
0: an assembly, and ecclesia is used too. So this word for the congregation, the ecclesia in the wilderness, it's not just because they had a tent of meeting right It has not nothing to do with like the place itself, not a not a thing to do with the place. it's okay. it's a term that described God's
1: group of people, whether they were all in their own places or whether they were assembled together. Yeah. a couple of illustrations might okay. be interesting. um go to um Leviticus eight four.
0: It's 8, verse 4, it says, And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation was assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting. All right, notice the congregation
1: was gathered together. Mm. And those are, you know, you, the congregation is wherever it is. It's just God's people. Yeah. In that case, the group of Israelites that were brought out of Egypt by God. And, and then they
0: gathered the people together in an assembly. Yeah. Yeah. And so that word that they're using there, congregation, isn't just meaning a crowd of people. Like if they were just no. to talk about any random as- assembly of, you know, the town, yeah, was there a different word that they probably would use? Not necessarily, but God's congregation.
1: Okay. See, specifically in our class we talked about the fact that it's determined by election or choice by God. For example, mm. Genesis twelve, Genesis twenty-two, God says to Abraham, Yeah, You know, I will make you a great nation. You know, I'll bless you and make your name great. And in you and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So God picked Abraham and his descendants to be his group. Mm. And that group became the children of Israel that multiplied in Egyptians' bondage. And it was that group that God brought out of bondage and made a covenant with. And so that group of people was God's ecclesia Mm. in the wilderness. Okay. See? So it was done by election. It was also a group that was uh, constituted by covenant because it was already a group because it was the descendants of Abraham even before Moses came along, but mm. it was further further defined you might say when God made a special covenant with that group right Israel at Mount Sinai yeah. see so <clears throat> um, you have for example in in uh, numbers chapter twenty seven verse sixteen uh God is as is, uh, Moses is appealing to God to uh
0: put leadership in his place. And mm-hmm. he says, he says, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh appoint a man over the congregation. All right. The word there in Greek is synagogue, synagogue. Mm. And yeah. uh, of course,
1: it's not talking about a, a building, a synagogue. Yeah, we're not talking about the, mm. the square rectangle no. that people stood in the middle of. No, it's talking about the group of
0: people, the 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 group, yeah. you know, the synagogue, the gathering. So appoint a man to lead the people, the congregation, the church of God's people. Yours. Yeah. That's people. <laughs> okay. God's group. Um if you um
1: go to Ezra, okay. uh, chapter, excuse me, Nehemiah chapter eight, verse two. This is where Ezra is reading the law in front of the
0: people. Okay. Read that for us. Say that say the verse again. Ezra, or excuse me, Nehemiah eight, verse two. Okay, Nehemiah eight where Ezra is speaking. Right. There we go. 8 verse 2 says, So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly. Ekklesia. Okay. And both the men and the women and all who could understand it heard on the first day of the seventh month. All right. So God's ecclesia
1: mm-hmm. were those returned captive Israelites that Ezra was reading the law to. So God oh. had an ecclesia; He had a
0: church. Yeah. In the Old Testament time throughout that time. And maybe that's part of mm. we get so frustrated by that or confused by it because God's chosen people were a singular group. That's right. And the word church means a group. Okay. A group that belonged to God. That was God's group, God's church. Yeah. God's we necklace. like to say God's chosen like nation or his chosen family or his chosen people people, but then to say his chosen church in the old testament just feels odd. It's biblical. <laughs> yeah.
1: There we go. So um in of course in the gospel time, uh, God always God also had a church. Mm-hmm. And when they gospel time, I'm talking about before Jesus died and rose again. Okay. So if you go to Matthew 18. So you're talking about in the writings of the gospel during that time. During the time Jesus was walking on the earth before he died and before he rose, when all those people were Jews. Yeah. In Matthew 18, starting in verse 15, Jesus is speaking to Jewish people about what they could do right then and there. Right. So
0: read 15 through 18. Okay. It says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. If he does not listen, take one or two of the others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and tax collector. Truly I say to you. Okay, that's good enough.
1: Yeah. So tell it to the church. Now, many people want to read that as if Jesus is in a yeah, post-resurrection setting, but everybody he's talking to are Jews. Plus, if you read that last verse mm-hmm. you read, if he won't listen to the church, let him be what now? Let him be to you as a Gentile and tax collector. Wait a minute now. In, the, in what we call the New Testament church, we treat Gentiles the same way yeah. we would treat anybody else. What does it he's, matter? He's talking to Jewish people who the Gentiles are not part of their God's church. Yeah. And so if he doesn't listen to you, let him be to you as a Gentile. This is the Jewish church. He's talking about a Jewish synagogue at Mm -hmm. that time. Certainly the principle there carries over in the writings of the apostles, like in Paul and 1 Timothy, the same principle is re-expressed for the Messianic church, the Christ church, Yeah, you know. But it was there before uh-huh. the
0: Messiah began his reign as well. Okay. So when he was talking about that, he's not talking about the future, open to everybody, post-resurrection, blood is available. He's teaching to... those people right then and there about how they can
1: do God's will in, in the assembly that they're a part of, whatever synagogue they were part of. Okay.
0: Yeah. That'll throw some people for a loop.
1: I yes, guess. synagogue and ecclesia, basically the same thing. in, in the understanding, even though synagogue came to refer to a building, mm-hmm. it's still, you know, that word there is ecclesia, yeah. like you have in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. it means the assembled group of God's people. And in that day and time, they had some assemblies at the temple, great, mighty assemblies, but that yeah. teaching wouldn't work there. Mm-hmm. That teaching
0: would only be effective in the local synagogue. Right. Okay, because right. you're needing some local mm-hmm. accountability for these situations. Right. Yeah. So, um,
1: the 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 questioner also asked about what's the difference in God's church and Christ's church. Well, God's church is Christ's church in our time. Okay. Because <clears throat> um, Christ means the Messiah, the Anointed One, mm-hmm. and the Old Testament looks forward to the time when the Messiah would rule. Sure. Uh, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant. Mm. See, well, the days were not here, but they're coming. Yeah. See, it was a future time. Um, in these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son Hebrews one two. Mm. See, and the Messianic age is spoken of in Old Testament terms in Hebrews two verse five, the world to come about which we are speaking. Yeah. So from the Old Testament perspective. The Messianic age was the coming age. Hmm. See? Okay. Um, In Hebrews 6, uh, like 2, 3, he says, If after we have been enlightened... I'm getting there. Hebrews 6, verse 2 and 3. Verse, where it starts, in fact, we have been once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift...
0: Uh, There it is in the middle of verse 4. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, 4. Who have tasted of the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted of the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come. The powers of the age to come. See, Christians
1: now have already tasted of the powers of the age to come, Hmm. but the age to come is the Messianic age from the view of Hmm. the Old Testament. Yeah. they're, They're quoting. So, the coming age arrived. Yeah. ...with Jesus Christ and his reign as Messiah. Okay. So, in the Pentecost sermon, Peter proclaimed Jesus, the risen Jesus, as Lord and Christ, Messiah. Right. And that he's reigning at the right hand of God, see? So, those that accepted that message became part of the Messianic church, God's church under his Messiah, his anointed one, his Christ, Okay. See, So it's
0: not that there becomes this dividing line and Christ like wrested away, wrestled away God's church from him. And then he said, it's mine now. It's God has appointed Christ to be the head of his church, of his church. So it's right. God's church. So all of those faithful Israelites that understood
1: the promises of the Old Testament and accepted God's Messiah when he came, hmm. they simply accepted God's plan for God's church. Yeah. And God's church today is the church over which Christ reigns, because God placed him. Yeah. God put all things in subjection under feet and under yeah. his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the ecclesia, the
0: congregation. Yeah. Of God's people. <clears throat> so then kind of getting to the questioner's kind of core concern. If we were to say we're part of God's church, like right now, if I said, well, I'm part of God's church. Or the church of God. Yeah. Is that out of order? Is no. that meaning something different than part of the church of Christ, Christ's Paul, church? Paul wrote to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to all those that are
1: sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints. Yeah. So if, if Paul could write to the church of God at Corinth, we are the church of God here in Paducah, at Broadway, or wherever you all are out there. Yeah. So they shouldn't be seen in conflict with one another? Not a bit. Okay. This basically, the teaching is that God has always had a church, a congregation, a defined group of people, Mm. and God's eternal plan and God's covenants that he has offered have defined that group of people throughout history, Yeah. and in our time, that group of people are those that are subject to the Lord
0: Jesus Christ. Yeah, which is why we tend to identify more as Christ's church, because we're looking at it as through all these New Testament passages where Christ has been appointed the head of the church. But we, if we think of
1: the fact that the church never existed, God's group of people never existed, we're missing the point mm-hmm. that God has always had his group of people and that the Messianic church is simply uh the eternal purpose of God coming to fruition in the time of Jesus Christ. Mm.
0: So what about when you hear, well, God has always had a plan and his plan was to establish his church in Christ. Is that just kind of missing out on the full picture or is that more I, I think
1: that that God well, I know that God has always had a plan and his plan has always involved his church from the beginning. Uh, but his plan was to establish his Messiah as both the priest and king and the perfect sacrifice for his church. So his ultimate plan for his church was carried out through
0: Jesus. Okay. Not that there wasn't a church before yeah. that. See, yeah. So it's it's more that we're missing the full picture. That's right. And maybe we're leaving out or trying to segment off things that God has never intended to segment off. Right. It's
1: it's a continuation of God's plan. It's not a brand new thing in God's plan. The only thing that is new is the redemptive work of Christ, and Christ's uh, sitting down at the right hand of God as the ruler mm. over the kingdom. But then we get into the whole thing of well, was Christ in the Old Testament? Yes. Yeah. Was he not called Yahweh in the Old Testament? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so you see there's there's really a continuation of the promise God made to Abraham. Yeah. In your seed, Abraham. Yeah. That well started with Abraham's son Isaac and went to Jacob and his twelve sons and mm-hmm. the entire nation of Israel and eventuated in Christ. Which then comes to all people. There you go. In in thy seed, all the nations, yeah. all the Gentiles of the earth. Are we blessed? Maybe some things to think on for a little bit. Yeah. So do you not believe in Christ's church? Of course I do. It's God's church. It's <laughs> Christ's church.
0: It's the one ruled over by the Messiah. That's who the true people of God are. And as so many things do, it ends up getting into the so are God and Christ separate? Or are they the same? <laughs> It's amazing how many conversations end with that one, huh? Well, in Revelation 3, and you'll have to look up the verse for
1: me. Let's see. He that overcomes, I will grant him to sit with me in my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. It's on one of the Let's ends see. of the letters. Try seven or eight or something like
0: that. I was going to say, said. It's verse 21, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on, his th- on my yeah, throne. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Verse 21 of, of chapter 3, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. And I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He says, who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So who's ruling over the church? Well, they're both sitting on the throne. So there you go. There we go. <laughs> End of
1: story. Yeah. I hope this this helps your thinking. To see something, when I talk about seeing something from a theological view, I'm not talking about from the writings of other theologians. I'm talking about from the view of the progression of this idea in the entire Bible from beginning to end. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to do in this class.
0: Yeah. So hopefully this kind of addresses that part that you haven't covered specifically but you've kind of been showing the overarching so this kind of distills it down into one little lesson so whether you're following along with the class or maybe this helps you be inspired or go "Eh, maybe i should check out that a little deeper we hope that you will yep we'll put some links to it and everything in the comments and such but for now thanks for your time dan thanks for all your time out there and we hope to see you again at our next episode have a great day see y'all